The best way to learn a language? Immersion. Living where the language is spoken and using it every day. But if that's not in the cards this year, you can still learn a language the second best way. And that's with Babbel. Be a better you in 2024 with Babbel, the science-backed language learning app that actually works. Don't pay hundreds of dollars for private tutors or waste hours on apps that don't really help you speak the language. Babbel's quick 10-minute lessons are handcrafted by over 200 language experts and help you start speaking a new language in as little as three weeks. Babbel's designed by real people for real conversations, and their tips and tools are approachable, accessible, rooted in real-life situations, and delivered with conversation-based teaching, so you're ready to practice what you've learned in the real world. Here's a special limited-time deal for our listeners. Right now, get up to 60% off your Babbel subscription at babbel.com slash bluewire. That's 60% off at babbel.com slash bluewire, spelled B-A-B-B-E-L dot com slash bluewire. Rules and restrictions apply. You don't want it. You don't need it. But you're going to get it anyway. The Kevin Sheehan Show. Here's Kevin. John Carlson to Dylan Strom. Strom through the seam. Ovechkin fires. Score! The great wait is over. The great wait is over. What a great call by the great Joe Beninati last night in Columbus. Alex Ovechkin had gone 14 games in a row without a goal, uh, but he scores last night in OT to beat the Blue Jackets. It's just his sixth goal on the season He's got 828 now for his career. That is still 66 goals short of Gretzky's all-time mark. I think there was a feeling that Ovechkin, if healthy, would break the record sometime in 2024-2025 next season. But right now, at the pace he's on, it won't be next year. Uh, The game winner for him was the 125th all-time in his career uh, in terms of a game winner. Last night's was his 26th in overtime in the regular season. That's an NHL record. Uh, Did you know that Ovechkin has never had an overtime goal in the playoffs? Never. Uh, But he leads the NHL for all-time overtime game-winning goals in the regular season. Uh, Good for him last night to get back into the scoring column. Uh, The show today presented, as always, by Window Nation. Call them at 866-90-NATION or go to windownation.com. Mention my name. They'll take good care of you. Jay Gruden coming up in the next segment, the smell test to finish up the show. Before all of that... Um, A few things to get to, uh, which includes a prediction on the game on Sunday, I guess. Um, I could do the normal keys to a win over the Jets. I think I'm going to skip that this week and do something different uh, because we don't want them to win the game, number one. Uh, But we have felt that way for a few weeks anyway. But how about reasons to watch the game? Because number one would be just kind of the hope that they lose the game. But I'll get to a prediction and reasons to watch the game a little bit later on here in this segment. Uh, Let's face it, by the way, another win for this franchise would not be good. It wouldn't. Uh, I hate this time of year. I hate rooting for losses. Um, But, you know, there's no carryover from this year to next. There's going to be a total coaching and football front office regime change. The roster's probably going to change a ton, too. It's crucial, really, that they stay right where they are for the upcoming draft. One win 
the rest of the way could be the difference of picking fourth or better versus ninth or worse. That's too big of a difference in the upcoming draft with three to four quarterbacks likely to go in the top seven, top ten. You know, not to mention, even if we get to that point, uh, you know, where the new regime says, you know what, we're okay with the quarterback situation, or we don't like the quarterbacks at the top of the draft, the best two left tackles in the draft will likely be gone by number nine. So winning Sunday is something, you know, if you really care about the future of this team, you really don't want them to win this game. I know it's a fan thing, and I hate it as a fan thing. I I hate rooting for them to lose at the end of these seasons. We've gotten too used to it. It's not a player's thing. They're going to play, you know, their best. They've got job security or job opportunity, you know, on their minds. Um, Would it be a bad thing if Josh Harris said to Ron this week, hey, how about, you know, Maybe getting some players up off the practice squad. Let's see what they got, you know. Deron Payne, we know what he can do. John Allen, we know what he can do. Terry McLaurin, we know what he can do. How about some of those players off the practice squad, Ron, for the Jet game on Sunday? Because this is the game of their final three that is winnable. Um, So, and by the way, that's the way, you know, organizations tank. It's not asking players to blow the game, obviously. It's not even asking coaches to blow the game. It's front offices, you know, saying we want to see the general manager wants to see some of these other players play. Now, that's a hard thing in this case because there's no other general manager. It's Ron. Uh, I mean, Martin Mayhew, for sure, but Ron's the uh, single football decision maker. But I don't know if Josh Harris will do that. I doubt that he will, but... Um, I I know that this draft is an important one from a leverage standpoint. I get it. It's a complete crapshoot, you know, year in and year out, with quarterbacks in particular, really with, with all players. I mean, it's not like the ninth pick doesn't end up with a better career than the fourth pick all the time. Anyway, I understand that. That's not really the point. The point is the leverage you have in this upcoming draft with a top four-ish kind of a pick will be higher than usual because of the perception that there are at least three quarterbacks in this draft, maybe four or five, that have very high ceilings. Um, I had Matt Miller, uh, an ESPN draft analyst on the radio show yesterday. Uh, Matt's not a big fan of Sam Howell as the future you know, franchise quarterback starter. Uh, he likes Sam more as a Gardner Minshew type. Uh, He's a big fan of Jaden Daniels, the Heisman Trophy winner from LSU, as I am. Um, I asked him what he thought Washington's plan should be in the draft if they stay at four. Here's what he said. I I think you draft Jaden Daniels in the first round and and look to build up that offensive line and, you know, defensive line. You you try to do that in subsequent rounds. You're going to have two picks early in round two. So can you walk out with Jaden Daniels? Can you walk out with an offensive tackle like – you know, Kingsley Suamatu or Patrick Paul, uh, who project as left tackles. And then, you know, can you get an edge rusher like a, you know, a JT Tuamalo, Chop Robinson? Can you get another edge rusher, you know, maybe at pick 40, 41 and say, okay, we've got a quarterback, we've got a left tackle, we got a pass rusher. Those are the three most important positions in football. And those are realistic. You know, that's not me saying you're going to get three guys who will never be on the board there, but if you're at 436, 41, those are, are definitely names that are possibilities. For those wondering, and I was too, the two tackles he mentioned, uh, Kingsley Suamataia played at BYU and Patrick Paul 
played at Houston. Both are pretty much right now top 10 tackles projected in the draft. The two pass rushers he mentioned, I know both of those players, and if you watched college football, especially Big Ten games this year, uh, you know JT Tui Moaloa from Ohio State, number 44, uh, monster playmaker. Chop Robinson, also number 44 uh, from Penn State. Um, Both of those guys are projected as top five-ish you know, edge rushers. Um, Jaden Daniels, man. Uh, most of you know this. I'd be really excited about Jaden Daniels. I thought he was the best player in college football all season long. I thought he was one of the most exciting college players I've watched in many years. Uh, there's so much you don't know in terms of the transition to the NFL. There's so much you don't know with respect to the intangibles. I did ask Uh, Matt Miller about that and he said that you know in his discussions with people that know Jaden Daniels they say he's the real deal when it comes to things like work ethic and you know being a guy in the locker room and a leader etc so uh, that would excite me if they took Jaden Daniels at number four in the draft and then added a couple of tackles and a couple of rushers and a couple of really good players because they need a lot of good players is what they really need um, on this football team. Uh, yesterday was coordinator day, uh, out at the park. Uh, Eric Bieniemy is the only coordinator now holding weekly press conferences, uh, because Ron is, I guess, technically the defensive coordinator. I guess that's why we're not hearing from anybody defensively on Thursdays. But yesterday's presser with Eric Bieniemy was an interesting one because it was his first chance to weigh in on what happened in LA on Sunday, the benching of Sam Howell. And he did give some clarity to how it came about um, that they decided uh, to bench him in the fourth quarter. He also had a lot to say about how, in his answer, here it was. You know what, Coach Ron, uh, he basically said, hey, you know what, let's, let's rest him. You know, let's, 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 let's give him a break. Let's let him sit back, and let's, let's give him an opportunity to observe Jacoby. And let's uh, give Jacoby an opportunity to go play. And so... I agree with him at that particular time. There was no hesitation. And obviously, Coach Rivera is a head man, and when he makes a comment, he has 51% of the vote. And I honestly agree with him at that particular time because I felt he was pressing. And you never want to see someone pressing. And I, I just want to make sure I state this loud and clear. Sam is a hell of a kid on top of that. He's a hell of a quarterback that's accepted a huge challenge. It's not very easy being in the role that he's in, okay? I'm not going to make any excuses for him as well. But on top of that, as a group, we got to make sure that everyone is rallying around him and playing. We got to play better in the run game. We got to make sure we're protecting the quarterback. We got to make plays on the perimeter. And so it all ties together. And so it's tough when you're in that predicament, but I thought at that particular moment, that was the right decision to do. And I tell you what, not shocked nor surprised at the success that Jacoby had. He did a hell of a job. He, he showed why he's a, a, a player of high caliber in this business. He's also shown that his, uh, his leadership and uh, basically all the uh, experience that he has in playing in a multitude of offenses, it paid off because he just went out there and played. He didn't think. And that was the big thing, probably more than anything, that Sam got out of that was Jacoby went out and played the game. He didn't go out and overthink the process. 
So Biennemi mentioned prior to that answer a couple of times that Sam's pressing too much. You know, that last line about Brissett not overthinking the process is what they want from Sam Howell right now. At one point during the press conference, Biennemi uh, made the, uh, the statement that it's better for Sam to be decisive right now than anything else. And he said, one of the reasons is when you're decisive, you're usually right. They want him to play, as they described, you know, Jacoby Brissett's play, more freely. We'll see if that happens uh, and whether or not there was some benefit to sitting him and watching Jacoby Brissett run the offense Sunday in L.A. I mean, I have a hard time believing that they pulled Sam for the sole purpose of getting to see what Jacoby Brissett would do with the offense and to see how he plays more freely. Like, did they really think that Jacoby Brissett was going to come in and lead two touchdown drives and look as good as he did? Um, It's possible. I mean, the very first snap he was pressured, he ended up running for nine yards. What what if that very first uh, snap had been a sack and he hadn't gotten free? And then it's second and 16. And then, you know, they're punting. And then... I mean, you know, it's a fine line in football. Uh, Jacoby played really well, though. He really did. He looked awesome, and he did look decisive, even in that run, even in that, you know, up-the-middle, A-gap, pressure, scramble for nine yards on the first snap. That was decisive. Uh, They want Sam to play more freely. We'll see if he can do it starting Sunday against a New York Jet defense that, if it comes to play, is a better defense, a much better defense than the Rams' defense last week. Speaking of the Rams, they beat the Saints last night in the next-to-last Thursday night game of the year. Um, flies by. They beat the Saints 30-22. to uh, It was a loser for the smell test, and it was, yeah, it got interesting late. Uh, but for the most part, it was the wrong side all night long. Um, Derek Carr can be extremely frustrating to watch sometimes. Opening drive, they drive it down the field, they're in field goal range, and on third down he takes a sack, knocking them out of field goal range. Uh, Second drive, they're down in Rams territory again. Fourth down, takes a sack. Uh, There's another fourth down where they're at midfield and he throws a ball to nowhere. I mean, there's, there's no receiver within 10 yards of the ball. Uh, His numbers always, not always, but they often look good. He had 300 plus yards and three touchdowns last night. Um, But much of that came really when they were down 30 to seven. Uh, Something interesting at the end of that game, maybe interesting only to me, but I mentioned last week when Washington was on defense at the end of the game, down eight against the Rams. They had taken their last time out with 44 seconds to go and the Rams ran a play. Not only did they run a play, they handed the ball off to Kyron Williams, who had fumbled twice in the game already. And I said on Monday's recap, I'm like, what was Sean McVay doing? Like, all he's got to do is have Matt Stafford take the snap, walk back two or three steps, take a knee, and it's game over. Like, even if they, you know, the play ends at 41 seconds and there's a one-second differential, you've got a fourth down for him to take another one or two steps back, take a knee, and end the game. But instead, they handed the ball off to Kyron Williams. He didn't fumble, and the clock ran out on Washington. But last night in the game, exact same situation. 
third down, the Saints were out of timeouts. I think there were 42, 43 seconds left, maybe one or two seconds uh, fewer. Um, But still, pretty much the same situation. And he had Matt Stafford walk back two, three steps, take a knee, game over. And, um, you know, even, uh, you know, even the 44 seconds versus the 42 seconds, if you got to a fourth down, you could have just taken a snap and, you know, taken a few steps back or rolled right and thrown the ball out of bounds, you know, to end the game. Um, but you don't want to hand the ball off in a situation when you don't have to hand the ball off. When you do that, you end up with what Miami, Mario Cristobal, the head coach at Miami, ended up with this year when they had the game won against Georgia Tech. All they had to do was take a knee. Actually, they could have taken two knees. They ran the ball twice. The second time they ran it, fumbled. Georgia Tech gets it. They win the game. Um, A few more things before we get to uh, some other reasons to watch Sunday's game against the Jets, um, along with a prediction on the game. I mentioned Caps and Ovechkin at the start of this show. How about some Wizards talk? Not a lot of it, I promise you. But they won last night, 118-117 in Portland. Who cares about the win? But how about this as a stat line from Daniel Gafford, their center? 16 points, fine. Eight rebounds, okay. But six blocked shots and four steals from your center. Six blocked shots and four steals. Uh, Our friend Chase Hughes tweeted this out. Gafford became the first Wizards Bullets player to have six-plus blocks and four-plus steals in a game since Murison. Back in 1995, he's only the third player in the history of the franchise to do it. Purvis Ellison was the other. Never nervous Purvis uh, was the other one. Um, I would have thought that maybe Elvin Hayes on the block shot thing and steals um, that he may have had games with six blocks plus, but maybe not with in the same game for steals. I guarantee you the Big E had six blocks plus in many games, and I bet you he had games in which he had four steals plus, but obviously it was uh, something he never did in the same game. Uh, the Wizards, by the way, have won two of their last four. They play the Warriors tonight uh, on the road. It'll be Jordan Poole's first game against his former team. Um Another quick NBA item. Uh, It's a good thing that I did not have an NBA smell test pick for you yesterday. I didn't see this. I would have mentioned this during the show uh, yesterday if I had seen it. Uh, But the Detroit Pistons, if you're not paying attention, before last night had lost 24 games in a row. They're approaching the NBA record for the most consecutive regular season losses of all time. Uh, 24 in a row heading into their game against Utah last night. They were two-point favorites. That would have been right up my alley in terms of a smell test selection. Uh, They did not win the game, meaning they also did not cover in the game. Uh, They lost by eight to Utah. Their 25th straight loss, that's one short of the NBA record, held by... The 2010-2011 Cleveland Cavaliers, that was the year after LeBron left for Miami, also holding the record at 26 consecutive losses, NBA record, Josh Harris's Trust the Process 76ers, who lost 26 in a row in 2013-2014. Detroit can tie that uh, mark tomorrow night in Brooklyn. 
Um, speaking of Detroit, the Lions offensive coordinator, Ben Johnson, is, you know, the guy that's going to be probably the most sought after of the assistant coaches to become head coaches when the hiring process starts. Yesterday, there was a report from Josina Anderson that it would take $15 million or so a year to get Ben Johnson, to which Johnson's agent, Richmond Flowers, immediately shot back, quote, 100% false and irresponsible reporting. Uh, By the way, if the name Richmond Flowers is familiar, it's because Mike Shanahan hired him in 2010 in Washington to be an offensive assistant. He was here for, I think, three or four years. Uh, You know, we never talk about that Shanahan staff. It it was pretty good. We should talk about that more. Um, But, look, it's going to take a lot of money to get some of these hot assistants, somebody like Ben Johnson. I don't know about $15 million a year. But when you pay $6 billion for a franchise, I hope – uh, we don't start, you know, cutting back on offers to head coaches and front office personnel when there are no uh, when there's no salary cap related to that. Um, but it's not my money, and I know they overpaid. I know what they paid, and God bless them, bless their hearts, because without them, we might still have Dan. Um, all right, uh, reasons to watch Washington against the Jets on Sunday. I already, I already gave you number one. For the purpose of hoping, rooting for them to lose. Can't win that game on Sunday. God, I hate this, as I've said. I hate this at the end of seasons. Hopefully, maybe this is the last time. Even though next year does look like a rebuilding year of sorts. But who the hell knows in the NFL? Houston was supposed to win four games this year. They're tied for first in their division with eight wins. Um, Here are the other reasons to watch. Uh, More serious reasons, although that first reason is kind of serious. It just won't be a serious one for them uh, out on the field on Sunday. So here's a reason to watch. Sam Howell. You know, can he play freely? Can he play without pressing? How does he bounce back from what was, I think, the most, you know, adversity after a game he's faced so far in his very young pro career? Some of the bad games he's had, you know, those were that those were moments of adversity. Uh, the Arizona game was not a good game. They won it. He bounced back with a good game against Denver. The Buffalo game, obviously a disaster, bounced back with a really good game against Philly. The Bears game, not great, bounced back with a decent game against the Falcons. The Giants' first loss at the Meadowlands, not a good game, and he bounced back with a great game against Philly at FedEx. Um, but, but you know, that kind of adversity, game-to-game game or in-game, is different, I think, than getting benched and maybe feeling the weight of some frustration, both his own and the coaching staff. Um, he's got something to prove, something to play for down the stretch here. Whomever will be making the decisions starting in January – uh, January will have quarterback high on the list. Sam leaving a strong closing impression can't hurt him. Another two to three games, though, like the last four or five, I think would be a big, big issue for him. Uh, another reason to watch, how about this one? Emmanuel Forbes. If he doesn't play the majority snaps against a team that cannot throw the football and can't score, uh, as the first-round pick and healthy, it's not a good sign, you know? I mean, there's no threat by the opposing offense this week. 32nd-ranked offense in the NFL. If he plays six snaps again like he did last week, it's a clear signal 
something ain't right. Like, you get to a point, even if you are not thrilled with what he's given you, you put him on the field as your first-round pick at corner in games that are totally meaningless at the end of the year. You give him the opportunity to show you that maybe he's a gamer on game day. You got to put him out there. You got to let him, you know, play. I mean, if this is one of those things where he's killing us, how much could he kill you really against the Jets? I guess the Jets did have one game. They had a game a few weeks ago where they did score 30 against Houston, but I think it was a lot of defensive plays that set up a lot of those points. But anyway, I digress. Emmanuel Forbes has got to be on the field. Uh, And then lastly, number 32 defense, as mentioned, against the number 32 offense. Number 31 per DVOA. uh, Number 32 in yards produced. But you really do have the worst defense against the worst offense in the NFL. Um, I mean, and then you've got a really good defense in the Jets' defense against not a great offense in Washington's offense. It it's the reason the Jets are three-point favorites along with them playing at home, although there's not going to be much of a home field advantage in the Meadowlands on Christmas Eve for a team that's 5-9 and nine against a team 4-10. and 10. All right, prediction. 16-16 tie. I predicted 8-8-1 eight, eight, and one before the year. Last year, got it exactly right. I need a tie to at least get the tie portion of my 8-8-1 eight, eight, and one prediction for this year. Right. Window Nation has a great deal going on right now. If you're thinking about new windows because you've got older windows or you've got windows that are hard to close or hard to open or they don't look great, take advantage of Window Nation's offer right now. Buy two, get two free, so you're paying half price on the windows. Plus, if you want to finance the purchase, 0% interest rates for five years. Window Nation right now is giving you their best chance to take advantage of a deal that you won't get necessarily at any other point during the year. If you've been thinking about new windows, call them at 866-90-NATION. Go to windownation.com. Mention my name. They'll take good care of you. You get a free estimate. There's nothing to risk. If you don't like the estimate, then you don't move forward. If you want to shop the estimate and you find something better, you move forward with the other company. But take the free estimate. Give them the first chance. I promise you they are a great company with a great product, great people to work with. And being a listener to this show uh, promises you that they will take really good care of you. Window Nation, 866-90-NATION or windownation.com. Jay Gruden next, right after these words from a few of our sponsors. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. 
Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This segment of the show brought to you by our good friends at Surfside. Surfside's fajita boxes are here to make your dinners easy, especially this time of year. They have the best fajita chicken, steak, veggies, all the fixings in a convenient grab-and-go box. Uh, These fajitas are phenomenal. The chicken and steak, outstanding. Uh, I've had it multiple times over the last couple of months. You just hop online and order at SurfsideDC.com to pick it up or to have it delivered to your door. But Surfside's fajita boxes are here to make it easier than ever to feed your family. Learn more at SurfsideDC.com. Jay is with us, as he is every Friday uh, during football season. Uh, And uh, I wanted to mention that we've gotten a lot of ratings and reviews on Apple in particular that mention Jay. Uh, Don't forget to rate us and review us on Apple and Spotify. Subscribe to the podcast. Follow us on both of those platforms and any other platform that you can follow us on. Uh, But Jay, you've been mentioned in several of these reviews. Uh, This one from Tal. Tal writes, Jay's awesome on the show. His lock of the week is killing it, Kev. You had Washington. He had the Rams. I'm riding yeah. with Coach. You're 9-4 and four on this show against the spread. That's, not bad. That's unbelievable. What do you mean not bad? Yep. Yep. 6-4. Um, uh, what'd you say? 6-4. to 10-4. Fixing to be ten and four. Uh, we will we will get to that. Uh, ten and four would be amazing. Uh, yeah, he had the Rams last week as his lock of the week. Um, it would have been nice for those of us that had Washington had they made that extra point. Would have gotten the push because I actually played it at plus seven, but I gave you the Rams at min- minus six and a half. I thought they were going to go for two there, given the snapper issues and the fact that a lot of teams now down eight. The analytics say go for two in that particular spot. But I, I couldn't believe they put the snapper back out there. It was a tough day for him, unfortunately, and he lost his job because of it. You never want to see that. But I don't think I've ever seen a, a snapper have issues like that that often. Well, it was the yips. I mean, it was putting yips, clearly. I've got those. I, I can see it on the putting <laughs> green because I do it all the time. But a long uh, snapper, that's. Yeah, I, I don't know. All right, here's a more uh, a more serious review from Stephen. Stephen loves you too. He says Jay's great on the show with you. He seems like a regular guy and he's very likable. I was reading the story about Brandon Staley losing the Chargers locker room. Did Jay ever feel like that happened to him in Washington? Uh, I think it probably came across that way with a couple players. You know, DJ Swearinger always had something to say, so a couple guys like that. But for the most part, I felt pretty good about 
you know, some of the core, the, the core of the football team, I felt like I still had control over, but I could see that they could sense that I was on my way out fairly quickly if things didn't change and they didn't change. So I was on the way out, but I never felt like I lost them where they were like ignoring me, but I could be wrong. Did you, do you still have good relationships with your former players? Uh, yeah, I still talk to some of them. Sure. I don't like, uh, you know, not crazy because I'm down here in Florida and all that, but I follow them and follow their careers and, and what they're doing. Are there any players specifically you talk to often? Uh, Colt McCoy probably. Text Kirk every now and then. Some, a lot of the quarterbacks and um, some of the other guys, you know, I'll, I'll yell at. I'll see them in town when I'm in Virginia. I see Jonathan Allen out sometimes. Say hello to him and stuff like that, but nothing crazy. All right. Um, let's talk about what happened last week. Uh, what was your reaction when he benched? Sam Howell and put Jacoby Brissett into the game? Well, I thought Sam was hurt initially, but, you know, when it came out that he just took him out, I think I could really understand it, um, you know, because you're still trying to win the game, and Sam was struggling. He had the nice touchdown drive there, then he comes back and he throws a pick across the body. But he'd never looked comfortable in that game, and I think it's not a bad thing to take the young quarterback out in that type of situation. Try to give your team a spark because you're still trying to win. Um, not necessarily trying to lose the quarterback's confidence in you or anything like that or let the team know that you lost confidence in them. But sometimes you do need to take a guy out, let him take a step back and, and watch and, and learn from a veteran guy like Jacoby. All right, but they took him out for the way he was performing. You agree with that, right? It wasn't to protect I, him yeah. from some sort of battering because he wasn't taking one in that game. 100%. So what does that say about Sam Howell right now? Well, it says there is some doubt, but – in that particular game, it wasn't his best game. Like a pitcher, you know, sometimes pitchers can go nine innings and throw a three-hit shutout. Next game, they throw a three innings and give up nine runs. He gave up nine runs in that game and didn't play very well, so they had to take him out. But I think there is a level of doubt, maybe, so to speak, that this Sam is the guy to lead your football team for the next 5, 10, 15 years. So I think they definitely will be a major player in the draft um, looking for a quarterback. So why do you think that doubt exists? I think that Sam's a good player. He's tough. Obviously, you want to root for him. He's got a skill set that um, shows that he belongs in the NFL as a starter, but I think you're always going to be in the market for a guy that can carry your franchise for the next 15 years. You're just not sure because he, I don't know, it's the consistency, his accuracy consistency isn't very good. He's a good player. He can throw the ball accurately, but not... Um, consistently, if that makes sense. And, and his production, he'll have a good game, a good quarter, and then a bad quarter, and then a bad series, a good series. He's just he's not very consistent, but he's a young player. And, and I'm telling you, if, if they don't get the quarterback they want early, um, then I think they're still okay building around Sam for the next couple of years, see how he does. Well, the they will be a whole new group of they um, who will yeah. come in to make those decisions. It seemed to many that – they were more frustrated with the things that he wasn't getting to because there's still plays that he makes during games, but most of them recently have come kind of off schedule with his mobility. Do you see that he's missing things? I feel like, I think lately, I feel like he's been aborting mission a little bit too quick. Like you're mentioning that he's not getting to his first, second, third, first, second, or third, or fourth progression. He's leaving the pocket, and, and I can probably understand why, because the offensive line has struggled. They actually played pretty good against the Rams, um, but before that they were not very good internally. 
when your quarterback's not very tall and there's a lot of push up the middle, the natural reaction for that quarterback is to abort mission and get out of the pocket. But against the Rams, he had time, and he's still aborting mission, if that makes sense. So I think that was the issue right now with Sam. He's got to make sure he gets back in the pocket, gets comfortable, stands tall, tries to go through his con- con- uh, progressions if he can, and, and hit the open guy. How many times do you, on a Monday, you know, sit down, watch the tape, um, and get frustrated because maybe the quarterback had a decent day statistically. The fans look at it, and he threw for 240, and he ran for 50-something yards, and you're like, it could have been so much more. Yeah, that happens a lot, actually. You know, as a play caller, you like you like to feel like you call the perfect play all the time. That guy's open. See, I knew it. You know? <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> uh, more often than not, the way I've been watching the film with the uh, commanders is that's not been the case. He hasn't. The receivers have not gotten a lot of consistent separation. Okay. Um, and the line hasn't protected very well. So I think that's part of the issue with Sam. Is you know, you guys aren't getting open on a consistent basis, and I'm not getting consistent protection. So I do have to buy time to enable them to get open, and so I don't get hit in the face every time. So. There's some issues there, but you're right. Sometimes when you watch film and you go through it and you're like, Sam, you got to go through this. This is your third progression right here. It's cover two. This is your first. This is the side you're reading, not that side. And um, It's still a learning process for him, and, and the more he plays, the better he's going to get. So they're putting him back out there as the starter. Do you think that's the right decision? Yeah, I think he's earned that right. I think he's played good enough this year to stay, stay with him as a starting quarterback. You know, he's... He's had some really good games on the road and at home. You know, he's had some struggles like all quarterbacks have. Heck, look around the league. There's not many quarterbacks that have played consistently well for 16 straight games or 17, whatever it is. So you have your ups and downs, especially as a young quarterback, but I think he's done enough to uh, retain that job. What can we learn about Sam? What can they learn about Sam over these final three games that we don't know already or they don't know already? Uh, You know what? I just think competitiveness and um, how he's doing, how he's – progressing i think that's the big thing is he getting better or worse is he staying the same you know my dad always used to say never get you never stay the same you either get better or worse big sign on my wall is growing up and, <laughs> and that's what we want to see sam do we want to see him get better not worse the more information he gets the more reps that he gets he should be getting better as the season goes on um, but his team also has to help him and you know that's that's the biggest case receivers got to get open line has to protect all right um one other on this team uh well, first of all, actually, what did you think of Brissett over those final two drives? Jacoby's Jacoby. He's one of the top backup quarterbacks in the league as far as backups are considered, for sure. He's played a lot of good football. He's a smart kid. Um, he's done a lot of great things in his career, and I'm sure a lot of teams with these injuries would love to have him on their team as a starter right now as the playoffs are looming uh, if their starter gets hurt. But he, he's a good player. I've always liked Jacoby. And it doesn't surprise me that he comes in the game and and lights a fire. What does it say that in week 14, Emmanuel Forbes, fully healthy, only played six snaps, their first-round pick? Well, there's uh, it's a big issue because corners should never lose confidence in themselves or uh, what they're doing. you got to have a short memory as a corner. And obviously he hasn't had a short memory or he's not playing very well. It's a combination of a lot of things. So... Um, that's a very big concern for me. A young cornerback like that with a talent and a skill set that get drafted in the first round should be playing right now uh, unless he's banged up or something. The game Sunday between Washington and the Jets, Jay, is the only game in the league this week that does not include a team that still is alive mathematically for the postseason. Um, what's the challenge of coaching in a game like this? 
Well, it's a challenge because players know. They know it's been a long season and there's no playoff implications in the game. You might um, get not the effort you're looking for, but there's so many players that are playing for something, maybe future contracts. And, and you try to get guys that are competitive and, and want to play no matter the circumstance. So you're hoping that the guys show up and play and compete. That's what you're looking for in a player in general uh, in a draft and free agency. So hopefully the guys did a good enough job getting those type of players in there that won't quit or still want to compete and play. Um, have you even thought about this matchup at all? Like, what do you expect to no. see? <laughs> no. Low scoring. <laughs> yeah. How about the Jets, though, this year? I mean, that was a good football team with just a terrible quarterback situation. Yeah, I don't know about the team part, really. I think defensively, okay. they're obviously one of the top defenses. Offensively, they're they're not good. I, I honestly don't think Aaron Rodgers would help this offense. Their offensive line is, is, is putrid. Um, and, and, you know, you watched the game against Miami last night. I mean, the second play of the game, he's got three guys hitting him right in the face. He fumbles at the one-yard line. The next drive, they try a play-action pass. Left tackle whiffs, and he gets sacked for a 12-yard loss. It's, it's, it's bad stuff up front in the jet land. And they have a couple of really good backs, too. Unfortunately, they can't get them the ball get them going. So you don't think it would have made a difference had Aaron Rodgers quarterbacked all year? I mean, obviously, it would have made a little bit of a difference because he's a hell of a player. He's going to get the ball out of his hands. Um, but for the long haul, I, I just don't think – they would have been like a playoff contender, Super Bowl contender with Aaron. They still won more games, obviously, but not to the extent people thought. Interesting. Uh, what did you think of the Rams last night and the way they're playing? Rams are playing good. You know, they're uh, offensively, they have one of the better quarterbacks in the league, and they have two dynamic receivers and sure-handed guys that are tough players. And Sean does a good job calling the game. He keeps the running game going. Crown Williams is, emerges as a really good running back, and and Sean keeps that team balanced, and um, and they're very good. And Raheem Morris, I think, has done a great job defensively. With you know, they lost a lot of good players, but Aaron Donald's still there. But overall, I think Raheem's done a great job. Um, you've been a Derek Carr fan. Your brother, a big Derek Carr fan, through the years. Uh, where are you on him right now? You know, I think it's hard for me to say. I, I like Derek, and he's a smart guy. You can do a lot of different things with him pre-snap and. Uh, play-wise and all that good stuff, but um, I, I, I'd rather have a guy that's a little bit more mobile that can create some things off schedule. Because this day and age, unless you have a group of receivers like Jalen Waddle and Tyreek Hill and guys like that, you're going to have to play some games outside the pocket, play, play some plays outside the pocket. He just doesn't move and do that very well. And the receivers around him right now aren't good enough to get open nor the line to protect them. So it's difficult to have a guy like Derek on your team when that's the case. How dangerous are the Bills right now? Very dangerous. You know, I think uh, Coach McDermott's one of the best defensive coaches in the league from a coverage standpoint, from, uh, you know, just a game plan perspective. He gets his defense rolling, and obviously now that James Cook is getting the ball and Josh Allen, uh, the run threat that he is, they're a tough team to defend. Stephon Diggs, I mean, they're, they're, they're really good. They're dangerous, and I think they can uh, go a long way, obviously. Uh, what do you make of what Flacco's doing in Cleveland? I think it's a great story. He's a, he's a guy that uh, with a strong running game like they have, and uh, you know they got Amari Cooper. You know he doesn't move very well. We just talked about Derek Carr and how I'd rather have a guy that can move around. Well, Joe can't move around, but he's being efficient with the football and not making bad decisions. And guys are getting open a little bit and they're staying close. And Joe's making enough plays. And uh, I think defensively, that's what's keeping the Browns in a lot of games. All right, a couple more. But Joe's Mike. doing a great job. 
Uh, yeah, they, they, they play the Texans on Sunday. That's a big game in the AFC. It looks like Case Keenum will start. Did you see any of Case against Tennessee last week? I did watch Case. Case struggled early on, but, you know, like Case, he just stays with it. He's a he's a tough guy. I mean, very similar to Sam Howell in a tough uh, mindset, mentally tough, physically tough guy that's going to keep battling and battling and competing. Uh, that's what he did. They ended up getting that win, and they got a huge game this week. Going to stay on top of the uh, division. That, the division's wide open. Three teams are tied for first, and I think Jacksonville still got a leg up on everybody from the tiebreakers, but without uh, Trevor Lawrence this week, it's going to be tough for them. Yeah, they play at Tampa. That's a big game uh, as well. Um, Mayfield last week became the first road quarterback to have a perfect passer rating at Lambeau Field. Um, what has been your opinion of Baker Mayfield over the years, and how do you think he's playing, and what do you think of the Bucks? I think the Baker's played well. You know, the Bucks have had some injuries defensively. They've struggled um, to get guys back. But for the most part, Baker um, is doing awesome. And he's one of those guys, I think, you know, he's kind of like Sam in a way that uh, you know, compare what Sam could be in his future. I think it's the Baker Mayfield type. That guy can make plays with his legs, the guy that's going to uh, – just play tough and gritty football, and at the end of the day, people want to play with him and play for him because he's that type of competitor. I love their back, Richard White, uh, and I, I actually think it's a decent team. Um, do you, are you a Todd Bowles fan or not? And I say I fan. I do like Todd Bowles yeah. a lot. Yeah, yeah I, I like Todd Bowles a lot. I actually tried to uh, – I was hoping to hire him one year as my defensive coordinator, but he ended up uh, – I can't remember. He ended up going to Tampa as defensive coordinator exactly. with Bruce Arians. and. Uh, he's he's a he's a great guy, a great coach, and I'm happy for him. But you know, they still that's actually going to be my pick of the week. By the way, if you want to preview. <laughs> well, we'll preview it here in a moment. Uh, Tampa Bay's <laughs> a three point favorite against Jacksonville. Um, we don't know this. Do we know the status of Trevor Lawrence? I don't know the status. I you know I'm down here right now, and you know he's still in the pro- protocol, and I'm sure I, he probably got a little bit of reps. But you know the thing with that is if he has any symptoms at all, he goes back in it. I know that firsthand. And, I just don't like the way they're playing right now, offensively or defensively. The Jags, defensively especially, they're struggling. And offensively, Trevor has just been very inconsistent for my liking. And, you know, hopefully uh, they get it back on track because they have a pretty damn good team. But I just think Tampa Bay is playing a lot of confidence right now. And uh, Baker's playing extremely well. And Mike Evans and Rashad White, like you mentioned, are great weapons. And that's why I'm thinking Tampa. There it is. We we didn't have to wait to, uh, any longer for it. Tampa minus the three. Jay's nine and four lock of the week against the spread on this show, trying to go ten and four. Tampa minus three at home, late afternoon Christmas Eve against Jacksonville. All right, real quickly, two more games: Cowboys Dolphins. Great game. Um, I, I like Miami. I just think the speed that they have and two is playing well. I just think it's going to be too much for Dallas' defense, but I do think Dallas is going to move the ball and. Uh, it's going to be a high-scoring game, really. But I think Miami, both these teams need this game just from a standpoint of they got to beat a good team, right? One of them is going to end up doing that, and they're going to feel really good moving into the playoffs. So the winner of this game is going to really do a lot to boost their confidence level moving into the playoffs. I just think it's going to be Miami at home. Uh, and then, really, what may be the game of the year and could be a preview of the Super Bowl, uh, Christmas night, Ravens at Niners. Yeah, I, I agree with you on the preview of the Super Bowl probably a great chance. Baltimore is a physical football team on both sides of the ball, which you love. That's a Jim Harbaugh style. And 
they play great defense, really good. But they're playing against a team like San Francisco who has weapons across the board. We all mentioned all that. The best receiving, the best receiving blockers in the NFL, and Ayuk and, and Samuel and those guys. So it'll be a physical game. I think it's going to be great, but I think San Francisco is going to win. Hit them well today. Merry Christmas. Happy holidays. Thanks so much for everything. You got it. Thanks, Kevin. Jay Gruden, everybody. Uh, I was thinking, too, that uh, a lot of you during the course of the year have asked me to ask Jay questions, and the easiest way to maybe do that is the way I did it today. Uh, I wasn't intending on doing it. I read those reviews right before uh, Jay came on with me. But if you review the show on Apple, uh, you know, give us five stars if you see fit, and then write a quick one to two sentence review. Include in the review what you'd like me to ask Jay. Um, and I will do that uh, if the question is a good one. Um, all right, up next, the smell test to end the show. We'll get to that right after these words from a few of our sponsors. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. Kevin looks where the John Q public is putting their cash and does the opposite. It's, it's time, time for, for the, the smell, smell test. test. The smell test presented by, as always, MyBookie. Go to MyBookie.ag, use my promo code KevinDC, and they'll give you a cash bonus on your initial deposit. If you're looking for a place to wager during the holiday period, we don't have a day that will go by without football. Starting last night right through Jan 1, New Year's Day, football every day and every night pretty much. Uh, If you don't have a place to wager, MyBookie is a safe, smart place to start. Fair point spreads, fair pricing. That's what you want. Uh, If you've got a place to wager already, many of you do, use MyBookie as the place in which you comparison shop on point spreads and pricing. It adds up. Uh, It matters. MyBookie.ag is a great spot for first-time bettors or existing bettors looking for a second site. Go to MyBookie.ag. Use my promo code KevinDC. They'll take good care of you with a cash bonus on your initial deposit. Two college bowl games in the smell test on this Friday after it started last night with a loser in the NFL. So I'm 0-1 to start the week. 1-2-2 last week, 78-75 and 6 overall, I think. 7. 7 pushes this year. 78-75 and 7 after a 1-2-2 weekend last weekend, which really was painful. How the Vikings blew a two-touchdown lead, ended up pushing that one, had the Bears with a two-score lead, ended up pushing that game. The only winner was the Panthers, who won outright over Atlanta. Washington had a chance for a late backdoor cover, didn't get it done. The Steelers weren't really close. 
had them last week, although, although they were up 13 nothing in that game against the Colts. Um, all right, let's get started. Uh, two bowl games uh, over the weekend. We'll start with the 76 Birmingham Bowl. The 76 Birmingham Bowl features Duke and Troy. Uh, Troy went 11-2 this year, Sunbelt champions. They lost their head coach as non-Power 5 schools who do really well like Troy did this year usually uh, lose their head coaches. Duke also lost Mike Elko to Texas A&M. They went 7-5. Duke's got more opt-outs in this game. Troy's a seven-point favorite. That's a lot against a Duke team that is getting a ton of public action. I think Duke was highlighted enough this year for the public to believe that them getting seven points is some sort of a bargain. Uh, I'll take Troy and lay the seven in the 76 Birmingham Bowl tomorrow at noon. Uh, In the 68 Ventures Bowl, played in Mobile, Alabama, tomorrow night, 7 p.m. Eastern, between two 6-6 teams, South Alabama and Eastern Michigan. South Alabama's never won a bowl game. South Alabama's quarterback is questionable. South Alabama's best playmaker on offense, their receiver who's caught 91 balls for over 1,300 yards, is out. And yet, South Alabama, the Jags, are 17-point favorites over Eastern Michigan in the 68 Ventures Bowl in Mobile. Seems like a lot, doesn't it? Uh, The public thinks it's too many points. They're taking the dog. I'll take the favorite. South Alabama minus 17. So there are your two bowl games for the weekend. Troy minus 7, South Alabama minus 17. Let's go to... The NFL. The Saints are already a loser, um, so I am 0-1 on the week. Um, Tomorrow, the doubleheader Cincinnati-Pittsburgh-Buffalo Chargers. There is a lot of public action on Cincinnati. There's also sharp action on Cincinnati, so I am staying off Pittsburgh. Uh, I also didn't want to play Pittsburgh for a second straight week on a Saturday game, getting two and a half or three. Uh, Even though this one is at home, I kind of like Pittsburgh. Uh, tomorrow, but it doesn't fit uh, exactly. I think a lot of you are expecting me to give uh, the Steelers out. I am not. Uh, The Chargers are a bit of a play tomorrow night at home with Easton Stick plus the big number against Buffalo. Um, The the public money is definitely on Buffalo at this point. Uh, So I will take the Chargers right now. There are some plus 13s out there. I'll take the Chargers plus 13. I know, painful as hell, Um, but Sorry, got to do it. Fits the overall profile uh, for a smell test pick. Uh, Let's go to Sunday. Uh, The Vikings are a major anti-public play. Um, The public loves the Lions laying a short three on the road against a team that has really struggled here in recent weeks. The Vikings are nasty defensively. I'll take the Vikings for a second straight week plus the three. The Falcons are now up to two-and-a-half-point favorites over the Colts. They're at home. They're a 6-8 team. The Colts are 8-6. And and Atlanta's favored. It doesn't surprise me that the game would be right around a pick. The fact that they're minus 2.5 is a surprise. It seems to be a surprise to public betters as well. They're taking the Colts. I'll take the Falcons. Um, 
Hate to do this to you again, although it's worked out two out of the last three times, but the Panthers plus four and a half at home against the Packers on Sunday is right. Uh, Guess what, Dallas fans? I'm going to jinx you again. I don't think I've been right on Dallas all year, but the public loves Miami laying what's perceived to be a short-numbered home against a Dallas team that has struggled mightily on the road this year. Miami just a one-and-a-half-point favorite. There's public action on Miami. Uh, There is some sharp action on Dallas. I like the Cowboys plus the one-and-a-half. And then... Christmas Eve night, uh, give me the Patriots buying the half point plus seven at Denver. Um, I know I've had the Patriots too many times, uh, but they are a side that every bookmaker on the planet will need. Uh, nothing on Christmas Day really um, you know, gets into uh, a smell test uh, pick profile. Uh, kind of like the Chiefs a little bit laying the big number at home against the Raiders. Uh, but not an official pick. So, recapping. Bowl games. Troy minus 7, South Alabama minus 17. NFL. uh, Tomorrow we go with, uh, it's actually tomorrow night, the Chargers plus 13. Sunday, the Vikings plus 3. The Falcons minus 2.5. The Panthers plus 4.5. The Cowboys plus 1.5. And the Pats buying the point, the half point, excuse me, plus 7 in Denver on Christmas Eve night. Uh, Good luck. Happy holidays. Merry Christmas to all of you. Really appreciate uh, all of the support, all of you that listen during the course of the year. Have a really good holiday weekend, uh, hopefully hopefully with family and friends. Uh, I will be back with a podcast more likely than not on Tuesday with, at that point, the recap of the Jets-Washington game and anything else that comes out of that one. Uh, There will not be a podcast on Sunday or Monday unless, I guess, there is a major breaking news story uh, related to the team. And then I'll try to get in here and do something real quickly. If not, uh, until early next week, again, Merry Christmas, Happy Holidays. Appreciate all of the support all year long.